You're listening to the Podcast Factory. Yes, greetings everyone. This is Kabaka Pyramid from Kingston, Jamaica. I, I'm actually in the uh, beginning of making a, a song that's called Stop Touching My Belly, I'm Lactose Intolerant. When I was, you know, when I was a baby, I was really into just uh, doing weird pictures and I wanted to be an artist when I was a kid. I just want to be able to continue on doing what we're doing and have Metal Church get out there to get to the level where the band deserves to be, where Kurt Vanderhoof deserves to be, and the music that he's written. That, that's what I would like. But all you had to do was be able to make some noise and express yourself, and it was complete freedom, and there were no rules and no expectations. There was simply self-expression. Reach to the stars. Uh, do the best you can. Put all your energy behind whatever you partake in life. Do the best. Do it 100%. Today is all about silencing the noisy mind. We talked to Nathan Siegel about the life after PTSD. How he copes with amnesia and self-sabotage. We found out what triggered these events for him and how he was able to battle his fears. We learn about the different stages he's been through and of course we also talk about his coping process up to the moment he was able to talk about what was going on in his life. Nathan, now can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, so for your audience, my name is Nathan Siegel. I'm Canadian, originally from Canada, uh, born, and, born and raised there. I currently live in Mexico, a place called Bucerias, uh, north of Puerto Vallarta. I've been here for about four years. And the, the way that I, I come to this show is, is through a post that I put up on one of the many uh, podcasting groups in Facebook. And you responded to me about doing an interview. So the topics that I deal with are self-sabotage issues to do with boundaries and another thing which I refer to as silencing the noisy mind. It, it has to do with people who are, are suffering from compulsive addictive thinking and they're not able to get out of the thinking process and it causes a, a tremendous amount of pain. So part of what I do is I show them how, how to do that, how to slow down or even stop the thinking process and, and give them relief from overthinking. So. The way I came to this was through my own mental journey, which started formally when I was 19. I was having a lot of trouble with mental pain as a result of abuse, and I didn't know what to do about it. And so I, I entered into counseling, and that spawned a journey that has lasted for 40 years. And, and through that, I learned a variety of techniques. I learned about different ways of counseling. I learned uh, different ways of disciplining the mind through spiritual practice and also um, different psychological techniques. So things like, uh, uh, what is it, cognitive, um, CBT I believe is what it's called. I'm just trying to remember what it stands for, but uh, cognitive therapy, sorry, that's the word. And then also learning about things, various disciplines through spiritual practice I've also had multiple sessions and 
periods of studying where I, I've looked at the materials of uh, NLP or neuro-linguistic programming and hypnosis. And I've used a lot of that to reduce or eliminate the various mental problems that I've had in my life. So it's been a, a lifetime journey. It's, it's become considerably better in recent years. But the long, long-standing problem I had that I was having real serious trouble with was self-sabotage. And that came about as a result of severe trauma that was inflicted upon me by the Canadian government. Uh, and it happened in multiple different ways. First time was in 2002, 2008, 2010, all to do with income tax, major harassment, bullying, fraud, extortion. And the self-sabotage came into play when I was sent a demand for many thousands of dollars in income tax, which I didn't have. And it triggered a reaction in me. It was based on the letter, which basically said, unless I paid X amount of money by a certain date, they were going to send the sheriff to seize my assets. And I was absolutely furious. I had done well for the first time in my life, only a couple of years before. And then here I was being threatened by the government for doing well. And, and one of my thoughts at the time was, if you're going to take away everything that I've worked so hard for, then I'm going to make damn sure that you can't do anything else. So it triggered self-sabotage. It also triggered a, a long-standing problem I've had, which is called dissociative amnesia. So I couldn't remember what I did. And then afterwards, I, I basically destroyed my business and my life to keep myself safe from the government. And, and looking back on it was a hugely twisted thing, but it was based on my conditioning. And I really didn't have a lot of control over it. So, And how long has it been since you were able to talk about it? It happened about four months ago, actually, which is really not that long. I just taken on a house-sitting uh, opportunity here in Mexico. And what happened is uh, I bit into an English muffin one day and one of my teeth shattered down to the gum line. And that scared me because I didn't have a lot of money. And, uh, and I knew I had a dental emergency on my hands. And it was a result of that emergency many visits to the dentist and a lot of pain that I finally started to face the self-sabotage that I'd done. I mean, I'd been angry for years as a result of what had happened to me. And it, it triggered something very strange inside me where the anger was so pervasive that I didn't want to let it go even at the high cost of my health and well-being. And so um, that that incident with the tooth shattering broke me out of that, that pattern and I finally started to face what I had done to myself and also the intense fear of the, the, the revenue department in Canada and when it happened I, I got on the phone or not on the phone I sent it that I knew a former auditor with the government and I asked him for help and he started guiding me through it and It was around that time that I'd also decided to be a speaker, but I was going to speak on something else, which was to do with the mental te techniques of, of the mind, silencing the noisy mind, as I call it. But over time, it evolved, and, and it became dealing with the self-sabotage because that had dominated my life, and that one particular incident had dominated my life since 2010. And it just morphed into that and it became, well, this is what I need to deal with. This is what I need to address first. And then depending on 
uh, what happens when I actually start speaking. If people want to know about the other stuff, then I can address it. But this is going to be my door opener. This will be my signature speech, as it were. When my problems first started, I mean, they actually started at and the age, uh, everything started that I can remember, the various traumas and so on, began around the age of five. That's what I remember. And every time I've been through counseling, or not every time, but many times, that seems to be the, the crux. That seems to be the major point where a lot of things went off the rails in my life. But this major problem to do with self-sabotage started when I was 10 years old. I was humiliated in front of uh, my grade five class over a report I did and I was called a liar and stupid and and the shock was overwhelming and the, and the teacher didn't do anything to stop it and it triggered self-sabotage and something else called dissociative amnesia so I couldn't remember what happened so I took on the belief that I was stupid and I failed my way through school and I had to repeat courses many times I didn't actually come out of it until I was 23 Having all of those symptoms at a young age, uh, have you ever been diagnosed um, by a doctor, uh, someone that was that actually knew what was going on? No, there was never any formal diagnosis. And one of the major reasons for all of that is because when this incident happened when I was 10, it triggered dissociative amnesia that I didn't even know that I had suffered a severe trauma. I didn't have any memory of it of any kind. <clears throat> there was no way that I was uh, capable of referencing it in any way. I didn't know what had happened to me. I had no idea about any of it, and I couldn't remember anything. It wasn't until I was 23 and I was standing in a locker room one day at a technical school where we were working on some pretty advanced stuff, and I remembered th um, thinking about it, realizing I was doing well, and the thought came to mind, which was, where did I ever get the belief or the idea that I was stupid? And instantly, I remembered the humiliation in grade 10. And it lived in my mind for a little while. I experienced it. It went away, and my marks took off. But unfortunately for me, the stage was set for many more self-sabotage and dissociative amnesia instances. They had a tendency to go together throughout my life. Sometimes it was just amnesia. Sometimes it was uh, uh, the dissociative um, amnesia. And, I mean, the very worst incident that happened to do with that, or one of the worst, was when I was in counseling. I was in the city of Vancouver at the time, and I went to see a counselor, and I talked about a particularly painful trauma. Well, after I left the office and I walked down to the street, by the time I opened the door to step out onto the sidewalk, I couldn't remember who I was. I couldn't remember my name. I had no idea what city I was in. <clears throat> and it was it was pretty scary, actually. But after a while, I remember reaching down into my pocket, pulling out my keys, and somehow remembered that I drove a van. And I was able to find it, get in the van, and somehow remembered where I lived. But I spent the rest of the day in a real twilight state of, of shock and amnesia. And... You know, that wasn't self-sabotage, which is flat-out amnesia at that point, what they call a fugue state. And people who experience that, there are varying degrees of severity. Like, the most severe cases are where people literally cannot remember anything of who they are. 
move to another city or even another country and begin a brand new life with no memory of who they were before or anything else. And that could have happened to me, but it didn't. Does it happen a lot, those periods of amnesia? And um, are you aware they're happening? With the exception of, you know, telling the counselor about that one amnesia episode, but he never actually helped me with it, neither did anybody else. After the first one, when I was 10 years old, years later when it started to happen, I began to become aware of uh, that I had a problem. And I remember reading one day about amnesia, someone I thought, ah, oh, man, that would be kind of cool to experience. And then, and as I was thinking that, it hit me with a shock that I'd actually suffered from amnesia multiple times throughout my life and that it actually wasn't cool at all. It would, but it was to do with how my mind processed trauma. So, I mean, it happened in multiple ways. I, I remember being at a retreat and having a violent altercation with the, with the leader of the retreat and it triggered amnesia of the event. And I couldn't remember anything until two years later. And then it came back. No self-sabotage on that one that I could remember, just flat out amnesia because of the trauma. The, the way that it manifested the worst was in, in 2010 with the, the income tax thing. And there had been multiple abuses by that agency in my life. They had harassed me repeatedly over a period of years. They had used fraud and extortion on me, lies, outright uh, manipulation, threats, you name it. But when I got that document, that's what, that's what broke my back metaphorically and triggered the uh, um, self-sabotage and the amnesia. That's what did the worst damage in my life. And I very much wish it hadn't happened. But the, the thing with um, this process is that it was largely automatic and unconscious and I couldn't control it. It's only been in recent years that I've really been able to see the damage that it's been doing and to move to a place in my life where I'm not so reactive so that if I have a shock, that it doesn't turn into self-sabotage or amnesia. But it, it, took, um, it took quite a bit of training to start changing the way that I responded to trauma and shock so that I didn't have these severe reactions. Nathan, what was a big change in your life? Where did it all suddenly get better? It was a combination of things. It was making the decision to do something about it The other thing was a couple of years ago, I met a coach by the name of Hamish Baston, and he helped me with recovering from the effects of the, these various forms of trauma. I had, had developed something which they call PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And so that had seriously affected me all the way through my life. So I was suffering from those symptoms. And through a number of sessions using uh, NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, He essentially removed it from my life, and as a result, many things became better. But it just set the stage for more stuff that needed to be dealt with. See, what I, I discovered with PTSD is that, yes, you can remove it. Yes, you can go through counseling to deal with that. But then once it's done, there are going to be underlying traumas and underlying problems that you have to deal with as well. And that was sort of when the self-sabotage thing eventually uh, kicked in and I was able to see what I'd done to myself and 
and to start really facing it and moving through it. So Hamish helped me hugely with the post-traumatic stress disorder, and he also gave me feedback on on the technique that I developed for dealing with severe shock and abusive people. I mean, there were there were a couple of things. One of them was learning about and developing uh, strong boundaries for dealing with abusive people. That was one technique, uh, which I've written about it in great length. And, uh, you know, what to do to protect yourself and and to keep abusive people out of your life. So that's one thing. But the deeper thing was looking at my behavior and learning, teaching myself a different way of responding to, to trauma, to shock, to abuse. It's just the dawning of awareness. I can't really tell you how that happened. It's just that the self-sabotage thing, after going through it a couple of times and coming out the other side of it, I realized that I had a big problem. And the other part of it was also noticing how I reacted to severe trauma. I would have all these extreme reactions which would trigger more pain. And so once once I could see what I was doing, I, I can't tell you exactly what triggered the awareness, but the, uh, the one thing I do know is awareness is the first step, however it shows up. And whether it shows up as a, a result of somebody pointing it out to you, I mean, I didn't have anybody to point it out to me. It just, it just suddenly developed in my life one day. I can't really tell you where it came from. All I know is that it just showed up one day and when it showed up, that's that's when things began to change. The the other thing that I learned in terms of dissociative amnesia, um, around the time that I was actually going through it uh, with this major trauma from 2000, uh, 2010, right when I was in the middle of the amnesia, I knew I had amnesia. I knew I had, was in trouble. I had developed enough awareness about amnesia to, over the years to, knew, to know that I had a problem. But I didn't know what to do about it. I couldn't figure out how to get back into the memories. And what happened was I was on YouTube one day and I was watching a video by a guy by the name of Robert Smith. And he's a pioneer of a technique called Faster Emotional Freedom Technique. And the video was about amnesia. And I, and I watched it, and one of the things he said is amnesia leaves clues in the form of feelings in the body. And I thought that was really significant, and I really paid attention to it. So I remember being out the next day at a farmer's market, and I was concentrating on the feelings in the body based on the amnesia episode. And as I was concentrating on the feelings, a question popped into my mind that I hadn't thought of before. And that question allowed me to, it, like metaphorically speaking, it, it allowed me to turn around and look behind a dark wall in my mind, what seemed like a dark wall in my mind. And when I looked behind it, all the memories were there. And as soon as that happened, the wall vanished. I fully experienced all the memories of the trauma and then, then all of that went away. Now the anger to do with the self-sabotage didn't go away, but at least that one part of it uh, did go away and I was able to start getting more work again and start moving forward in my life. But I was still suffering from severe damage due to the anger. So it's a process really. Were there courses you've tried 
uh, yoga, spiritual things, Tai Chi, uh, being in balance with yourself uh, that didn't work for you? There were lots. I mean, to it, a lot of it just had to do with like with the amnesia was just trying to figure out how to get back into it and just not having the resources or tools or anything else. And it never occurred to me to search online. I could have at the time. It just didn't occur to me to do it. And it didn't, it, I don't know why, but it never occurred to me to ask anyone for help. I just wound up figuring out the bulk of this stuff on my own. So as far as what didn't work, I, I have to tell you, I can't remember too long ago. But in terms of what did work, one of the things was, as I said earlier about trauma and what would happen is uh, shocks would have a tendency to trigger self-sabotage or amnesia. So what I started doing differently, like let's say I would get viciously attacked uh, by a troll on Facebook, like it happened recently, uh, someone who I thought of as a friend uh, has not liked what I've been doing, has not liked my journey and decided to try and rip me a new one. And so she attacked me uh, multiple times while I was doing a Facebook Live. I didn't see it until afterwards. And when I confronted her, she, she sent me one of the most vicious letters I'd seen in a very long time. And I felt the shock, but I just, the way that I deal with it now is if somebody does something like that and it shocks me, I don't give in to the, rea the, uh, the urge for a knee-jerk response. I don't let that happen. I stop and I get up and I walk away from my computer. And when I do that, I allow the shock to go through my body, to go through my mind, to go through my very being. How do you deal with that anger burning up in you, uh, making you, you feel like you're losing control of yourself? Well, you have to train yourself, which is what I did. And I realized what I was doing. And so when the shock would happen, I had enough awareness realize oh shock and then to step back from it there were a couple of times I remember one time um, getting attacked by a bully on Quora which is a question and answer site and I responded you know or not responded I reacted and wrote this response and then 20 minutes later it hit me that I'd been suckered by my own reactivity and by the abuse of a bully and and with that, it gave me instant clarity. And when I had that, I immediately went back to my computer, sat down, deleted my response completely, and then went into the core system, blocked the bully, reported the bully to moderation, and sent a note to the moderators of Quora about my experience. And I received a response uh, a couple of days later informing me, yes, nice job, you did the right thing. And so it, it gave me some confidence so that when the next episodes happen, I was able to just look at it metaphorically, well, not metaphorically, literally push myself back in my chair in some cases. If I didn't get up right away, I would literally push myself away from, from the computer so I couldn't touch the keyboard. And sometimes that was enough, uh, many other times. So if it was severe enough of a shock, I'd have to get up and walk away. Because what would happen is the shock would be so severe, I would literally be shaking, vibrating. My whole body would be shaking. Um, I would lose the ability to speak clearly. All these major things would happen. 
But the more I let myself feel it, without trying to do anything about it whatsoever, the way that I would deal with shock became considerably better. And so when these situations would come up, and I would just let myself feel the shock without trying to do anything about it, and I would give myself space by walking away, then it would give me a certain amount of emotional distance so that when I would come back and look at the source or listen to the message or whatever it was, when I could listen to the message without having a reaction, I knew that I was ready to make a response. But if I came back and I still had a reaction, however strong go, nope, not ready, step away again, do it again. And I found that over time it was extremely effective. And it started to really help me in terms of not allowing the self-sabotage to happen again, nor the amnesia, because the amnesia uh, fed off of my shock as well. And I noticed that the more I did this, like sometimes I could feel the amnesia coming, it would be like clouds around me. And I knew if I let those clouds close into a fog, I'd develop amnesia, but I could see it. Theorically speaking, it wasn't actually there, of course, but I could see it in my mind and go, I'm not letting this happen. And I would force myself to stay as present with what was going on as I could. And the more I did that, the better it would get. And then after a while, I remember this one instant where I had amnesia, I could feel it happening, but it hadn't actually closed in. I just stayed in this awareness for as long as I could. And eventually the, the clouds receded and went away. Where did you eventually get the techniques from to be able to deal with this? Well, one of the things that helped in a, in a very big way, and I can send you the link for it. I'm just going to go there right now so I can reference it. But uh, a couple of days ago, I did a search online because one of, one of my favorite self-improvement teachers out there is Anthony Robbins, Tony Robbins, as he's known. And he, he calls himself a life coach but he's actually a master at hypnosis and neuro-linguistic programming. That's what he's using. Those are the techniques he's working with. And so he did a, he did a, a talk uh, on, uh, which I think was actually part of one of his tapes, but somebody copied it to YouTube and I was watching. It's called, How to Eliminate Self-Sabotage. And when I went through that, it, it helped me enormously because it, it showed me these different stages. It, it broke down the problem into various different ways of looking at it. And he said, you know, one of the things you need to consider is not to get hung up on the label of self-sabotage because it, what is happening to you may not actually be that. You might just be doing stupid things, as he said, and just making dumb mistakes. And as a result of uh, not having full attention at any given time. But if he said, but he also said, but if you get to a point where you realize that there's a pattern going on, then that's something different. And then he led uh, the, the listener through a process of what, a, what the pattern is. Because from an NLP standpoint, one of the things they say that everything that we do has a positive intention. So it's, uh, you get somebody who's a smoker, and he was using that as an example. It's not that they're trying to kill themselves with smoking. The smoking provides uh, a, a re pressure relief or safety valve for very painful things in their lives. 
and it gives them the, the relief and maybe a bit of pleasure. And so he was saying, you know, so what is the positive intention of your self-sabotage? So in my case, uh, I was getting harassed by two major uh, points of contact in my life. And the purpose of, of doing it was to keep myself so broke that neither one of these parties could harm me financially. And of course, that was an extreme reaction and it led to enormous pain, including becoming homeless at one point for a few months. But it wasn't until I had this incident with my tooth that it finally broke through. His life kept trying to reach me and, and help me get out of this. But the problem that I had was such incredible anger. And the anger is what was blocking the process. And when this one thing happened, it finally punched through the anger. And so for people who are going through this, I mean, if you know that you're suffering from self-sabotage, that's good news. Because you, you realize that you've got a problem and you're more likely to search for a solution for it. This video is one of those options. But the other option, as you said, like when you realize you've got a problem and you know it's causing you a lot of pain, that's when you need help. Seek out help. And I've done that too in various different ways, but not so much with this. Because it's... Um, it's been underground is the best way that I can describe it. It's been operating in my life in such a way that it's, it's like under, under the earth where I can't see it, or at least not very easily. And so now that I see it, I'm able to look at it in an entirely different way. And it doesn't affect me the way I did it before, again, because I can see it. Because the awareness is there, I can see it, I, can, I understand more of how I react to different things in my life. And so I've been working very hard to change the way that I function so that I don't have these problems anymore. And it's the same for everybody else who encounters something like this. But one of the problems I've seen with many people who encounter some of these problems is they look for like a band-aid solution or they look for a solution that will be better. But the reality of dealing with something like self-sabotage is it ain't gonna work that way, sorry. I mean, you really need to start doing intensive self-examination, uh, really intense work on yourself, looking at how you respond or react or to different stimuli in your life. And, and once you start looking at that, then you're well on your way to recovery from it. And how's your life now? Well, it's changed dramatically. And it's changed dramatically simply because I've been observing it a lot more. And I've also been realizing that that the number one problem that I was dealing with in recent years was not to do with the mind, like silencing the mind. That is an important thing that I offer to people, uh, you know, for addictive thinking. But the bigger problem was the whole self-sabotage thing, which has been in my life uh, for like 50 years. Primary thing to to deal with, to overcome. And it's just, it's not something I think about every single day because there are other things that I'm, I'm doing, but there are two major things that I'm working with is rebuilding my career as a course creator. In other words, somebody who teaches you how to do stuff. And then the other side of it is the self-sabotage thing. And the two of them actually go together because if I'm doing public talks about it, I also want to have course material on the back end, uh, as they say in marketing which gives people tools that they can use to help them deal with the, the similar problems to me. So 
it just it just goes together but a typical day is <laughs> it's pretty simple like just uh getting up having a morning coffee uh, just hanging around where i am going out uh again for a coffee or a walk somewhere uh, where i'm living um staying out till around 10 or 11 or noon then coming back and just doing whatever work is available whether it's or scheduled whether it's an interview whether it's working on a course uh, whether it's uh, working on my signature speech to do a self-sabotage whether it's doing marketing any one of those things and then just uh, later in the day around five or six when uh, it starts getting cooler perhaps going out for the evening or or just staying here reading a book having a nice dinner this is essentially yet yeah, um, not terribly complicated if people that are listening can relate to your story what would you say to them the general message is if you're suffering from this you you can find ways to overcome it it's uh the the key step as i've said uh, is awareness if the awareness is there what i'm doing is by giving these talks i want to give people resources i want to give them information so if they or someone else they know is is going through self-sabotage that they can have tools that they can use to go back to their loved one and say hey i, I just heard a talk by this guy and he was talking about this and from what i can tell this is what you're you're dealing with and i mean there's so many different ways of dealing with it one of them is to do interventions which may or may not work as i've learned about but the more that we arm ourselves with knowledge and the more that we see how that knowledge can apply to our own lives then we have the the possibility of living more fully and my purpose here is it's not so much that i've learned this stuff for me yes it's important for me and for the quality of my life to make it better but it's not just about that it's about taking that knowledge and saying how can i help someone else how can i spare somebody the pain and the suffering that I've gone through. If I have a shortcut for them, if I have a way that I can show them how to deal with this in, a, in an empowering way, that's what I want to do. So that's what this is all about. How can people get in touch with you uh, to talk about their story, their experiences? Yeah, there are a few points of contact, but the The best way would be through my Facebook group, which is Silencing the Noisy Mind. That would be the number one point of contact. If they want to write to me by email, my email address is admin at nathansiegel.org. And if anybody wants to reach out to me to call me and, and just ask questions, my phone number is 408-844-4851. And for those who are wondering about the the area code that's for Santa Clara in California. It's uh, my number on Skype. It goes with me all over the world. So it doesn't matter where you're calling from, you'll be able to get through to me that way. There's one other thing uh, which may be useful for your listeners is uh, as a result of doing one of my Facebook lives, a woman reached out to me and she asked me how I would feel about doing a TEDx talk. And I've accepted that and that all being well will take place in uh, either late October or uh, November so we'll see how that goes so and that concludes our interview with Nathan about silencing the noisy mind 
Now for all you podcasters out there, uh, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Google Podcast, Podcast Addict, wherever you're listening. Uh, just stay tuned for our next episodes. Give us a like on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Thanks for listening. And of course, until next time.